Yeah. Uh, welcome to the Neighborhood Radio. Uh, it's your host, Ricky Zugly, with Zeke, doing an extra, extra interview with Black Bear. Welcome. Thank you for being. Thank you. How's um How's your night been so far? It's been pretty good. I'm. Uh, it's it's uh, nine twenty p.m. here, so I just put my six year old son to bed and uh, just cleaned up after making spaghetti bolognese and uh, doing all the dad things. And uh, and yeah, today I was working on writing, working on some new songs. It's been a good day. Awesome. Hell yeah. Yeah. Very, very keen for for some more new music. I noticed um, when I was on your Spotify, I noticed it said a new album was meant to be coming in 2023. Is that still is that still happening? The plan. <laughs> yeah, the clock is yeah. ticking, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, the thing is, is when you self-release, it, it, it is, you know, I'm getting the songs mastered as I go. So I have mm-hmm. more than half of the songs mixed and mastered, and all of them are done. It's just a question of finalizing them. And so I do still have it in my mind that I can get it out before, before the end of the year. Yeah, I mean we've still got yeah. a month and a half to go. Still, plenty of time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what do you do for work? Yeah. How many? Oh. Sorry. What was that, Rick? I was asking. I was just asking. What do you do for work? So I uh, I I was a, for ten years. I was a uh, writing creative writing professor at NYU, and then. Oh. Uh, and then our son was born and we lived in New York for another two and a half years. And then we came here to Germany and my wife and I did a sort of swap where I had been the primary breadwinner and she'd been the primary caregiver for our son uh, for those first couple of years. And then she got a job at the Munich International School here teaching English. And so I said, okay, we're gonna do a thing, or we said, we're gonna do a thing where I get back to making music and I get back to working full time on writing while also being the primary parent and doing all the home stuff. And that's the period that I'm still in. So I'm currently, my job is to be creative and to be a parent. That's awesome. Cause I was going to ask, which is like, pretty sweet. Yeah. Which is pretty sweet. I don't know how long it's going to last. I don't know how it's going to yeah. last. No, that, that's gonna that's last. perfect. It's lasted like, years now. Cause if there's any job, like you want to be malleable to your kids it's something that's creative so that's pretty it's pretty mm-hmm. nice to hear yeah, yeah. so when you say yeah. so when you say you're writing and working on music so you do other obviously do other kinds of writing outside of um music yeah though. so i got my um after like shortly after the cinnamon phase was released i went to graduate school for creative writing and fiction uh, at NYU, and then um, and then that somersaulted into that teaching job, which I did for ten years. And that whole time, I'm writing. So, like, mostly I was writing short stories, and then for most of that time, post graduation, I was writing a book, which I'm. It, it, it's amazing how long a book can take, especially a book like this, which is it's personal. I'm not going to get into the details of the book because that's not what we're here for but it's a non-fiction book about my dad's mother and um oh, yeah and it's like a it's sort of like a cold case unsolved mystery situation and it's me pursuing this in a sort of investigative way mm-hmm. 
And uh, so that's like today, I'm, uh, that's what I was doing today. I've been through multiple revisions of this manuscript, which has been done multiple times. And now I've just done a big edit of it with a professional editor in order to eventually, hopefully publish it. Um, cool. So I do that, I do that. And I, you know, I, I have a second novel that I, in the meantime, somewhere along the way, uh, wrote a draft of a fiction novel. So yeah, so that's all part of the deal too. So my my creative energy is always is always bifurcated in two directions between music and and creative writing, but of course they're related. Yeah. How often do you find one influencing the other? A lot. Like because because my music is highly personal um and it's pretty much always like very close to autobiographical um and my writing is both of these projects uh, my biggest projects you could say the same about them um that like when i hit on a theme in one or the other that is really powerful or meaningful to me i almost inevitably will end up doing it in the other medium in some other form like, for example, my book is about my dad's mother. I don't know if you guys have heard the song Dorothy. I listened to it. That's that. one of my newer releases. Yeah. Yeah, I did listen to it. So that, that, that's like the song, that's like the boiled down song version of the book that I'm writing. That's like a, oh, that's yeah, like a song about my dad's mother. And it's about the process of me searching for her in all of these places that she was in and sort of dancing with her ghosts is the lyric. Like... So, mm -hmm. so that's a perfect example of how they end up overlapping. Yeah. Awesome. That's really nice. I, I, I was wondering who that was, cause it sounded like a, a very mother motherly figure. So it's always about, uh, your, your dad's mother. That one is. Yeah. Dorothy is my dad's mom. Yeah. Awesome. Did you, she, she passed. So someone... she she left. She left the family when he was nine, and then she passed away when he was fourteen under mysterious oh, circumstances. Okay. So, yeah. so it's like it was the center of who he was in terms of like what mm -hmm. his right. his central wound was. That was Dorothy, his mom. So yeah, I never uh, knew her. You know, it was long long before yeah. I was born, obviously. So yeah. I've been trying to like get to know her as one of the things, and writing that song was. Um, that was good for me. That like that took it to a place that, you know, in all of the years and hour hours and years that I've spent writing into that book version of that, it was sort of amazing how much more and um, how how immediately working on that song cut to the emotional core. Yeah, of sort of all of the feelings that I have about her at this point after spending so much time with her story and like the details of her tragedy and. Um, yeah. What does your dad? What What does your dad think of it all? Like, have you shared? My dad it? is no longer it? alive. You oh, know, and I, cool. I don't think. Yeah, he passed away. He passed away. You know, younger than he should have. He was fifty-seven. Mm -hmm. I was mm -hmm. twenty-five. Um, mm -hmm. So it's a while ago now. Um, I don't think I would be doing any of it if he were still alive. Mm -hmm. I'm sure I wouldn't be. Like, I wouldn't be right. I wouldn't be writing a book about his his wound if he were still alive. I only started it after he died. And I, okay. I think it was more than anything. It was 
or as much as trying to f- to get to know Dorothy and understand that story and try and try and figure out the truth about what happened with her. It was also just a way for me to keep interacting with him in my mm. mind or in my heart or whatever, you know, just to um, to keep that dialogue ali- alive and to and to try and f- like find out like to get to know him deeper after he was gone by way of the thing that we like basically never could talk about you know mm-hmm. which was because he just you know he it wasn't something that he would openly speak about mm-hmm. well, well um that's yeah. very beautiful that you're able to find your own form of closure through a form of music and, and writing something two things that you're passionate about i hope that's satisfying for you yeah that's the idea you know i i've there sometimes i i like wrestle with a kind of self-consciousness about whether the the you know the closure that i'm supposedly seeking by digging up this story which is which has been mostly locked away or buried is a more appropriate continuation of the metaphor of digging up. Um, and because there are people for whom it's kind of, it's painful for it to come back up, you know? And then, and so like, I have to really sometimes work. I go back and forth for myself, like how much of the, like how much of my own catharsis that comes from doing this is like, it's not necessarily that bringing it to light is, is clearly painful for the people close to me that I'm talking to about it. Like for my mom and my sister, I know that it's also cathartic. And for my dad's brothers, I know that it's cathartic. There's other people involved for whom it's, it's tricky business because there are other people, there's particularly one person in the family who's implicated as possibly being involved in her death, but was never brought to account. Um, so, um, yeah, it's just, I, I've really had, like, when I started that project, the writing project, I started it like, okay, this is what I want to do because of my relationship with my dad. And it's, and it's a way to get into the thing that we could never talk about. And I know it's a really interesting story and I'm just fresh out of graduate school with a creative writing MFA and I need something really interesting to write about. So it all, the pieces fell into place. But then along the way, I was like, hold on, this, this has real world stakes. There are people that could be traumatized by the experience of me digging this all up. But I think in the case of the song, it's much purer. Like I can just, I don't, I don't have any of those conflicted feelings about the music. And um, I think, I mean, music is so much more, it's like, it's like just direct to the veins. It doesn't have all of the like intellectual trappings mm. that something like re- releasing a non-fiction book would have it's so much more of a intangible um um expressionistic or impressionistic medium so that was mm. actually really to be able to make that song was really cathartic for me after all the process of like of practicality and the hyper intellectual intellectualization of the whole process and wringing my hands over who was going to be hurt or how to hand, how to talk to various people. And yeah. So in that way, like, you know, and the fact that you can make a song in a couple of days instead of a couple of years, which is what it, yeah. the book is taken. <laughs> certainly appealing. Yeah, uh, absolutely. 
and, and yeah, I think um, that's like the thing with music that I love is it's a very like yeah, like you say, like pure like form of like expression and um, being able to just sort of get out the things that you want to get out. And uh, you get do either of you guys make music? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, we we both do. Yeah. Okay, good. Excuse, forgive yeah. me for not knowing more about you no, guys. No, 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 no worries. I would, no, I would no, love no. to know. I would love to know more. Yeah. Well. Oh, oh. <laughs> um, well, Rick and I. I mean, we we collaborate a little bit um, on music. Um, we both make like hip hop. Um, um, I'm a producer, and I also do like a lot of dance music. Um, yeah. What about you, Rick? Um, I, I particularly love, fell in love with music because, you know, I love, I I really like writing myself. I, I very much really like poems and getting into mm-hmm. the different forms of expression through that mixed with the sounds. Cause I, I don't know too much about actual uh, producing and stuff. Cause it's, it seems very complicated to me. But being able to find myself through that and find the words for it is, it, it's something that just, it feels otherworldly to an extent because I, I feel like I'm unloading things that means so much to me, but it's coming into a two, three minute package that is meant for people to listen to over and over again. And it, it really helps recontextualize mm-hmm. it in a way in a way that doesn't hurt as much and it's something i think Mm -hmm. is really really beautiful and that's why i like you know albums as an as an idea because you know songs might be too short where you can have an album and that can turn into something that's a whole endeavor and i always just Mm -hmm. find that really nice yeah that absolutely that's like you know one of the things i wanted to say um was for me um the cinnamon phase was like one of the first ever albums that I listened to front to back um, as an experience because I first heard it around the time that I started getting into music in that sense. Um, and it like, yeah. And I just loved the, which the, was sort of the how, old, how old were you Zeke? Um, 15. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah. And so I feel like, yeah, like sort of what Rick was saying um, about how albums can, like create this whole um like world i guess um like the cinnamon phase was like one of the first albums that sort of showed me that um and i just loved like i think i heard it at the right time um in terms of growing up and like discovering myself and uh, i think a lot of the like those tracks yeah were really eye-opening in terms of what is possible like with with the storytelling and music and um mm. so yeah it's yeah absolutely it's absolutely. actually a it's actually a it's a it's a real a treat and an opportunity for me to get to talk to someone like you directly i've had plenty of interactions on social media and stuff with fans who for whom it was mean really meaningful that album um mm. but never like an extended conversation um mm-hmm. it is it's it's definitely like more often than not the people for whom that album was really meaningful 
they found it in their youth, whether it was around that age, 15 or going up into the early 20s, which is when I made mm -hmm. it, you know, I was 20, 21, 22 when I made that album. And of course, it's like, it's just about all of that. So directly, yeah. it's just swimming around and like young, just not not mm. yet knowing who you are and potentially having gone through, you know, heartache and mm -hmm. ending one relationship, starting a new relationship, not knowing where you're going and all that. Yeah, um, absolutely. But I've always wondered whether like, there's also something like, if there's something about the sound of it separate from the lyrics that like well that really I think it, resonates with yeah. in conjunction with the lyrics and with like being a young person and like because it's a it's a bedroom album you yeah. know it's like I, it's not it's not even close mm. to professional sounding so like i've always wondered whether that's like part of its magic uh, or whether it's I, like the lyrics just superseded everything mm. or no i think like you know speaking from a young person's perspective um you know so I, i'm 22 now um the same age um that you mm -hmm. said you were on the title track it's fitting um it's fitting yeah um i the decades away time <laughs> yeah yeah 100 i felt feel that in my bones now um no but um i think you know from a young person's perspective i yeah i think the lo-fi sort of bedroom pop aesthetics um like sort of add to the appeal of the record um like there's a lot of modern artists, um, like Clara, um, that yep. ha that have that aesthetic as like a purposeful part of their music, um, and mm -hmm. I th I think that the way the Cinnamon Phase sounds sort of taps into that same sort of um, niche, I guess, like mm -hmm. appeal. Mm -hmm. Um, that that songs like Pretty Girl by Clara, um, sort of tap into. Mm, I know that's that, that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so I definitely think, like, for me, in my brain, yeah, like, the cinnamon phases, yeah, it's in that that same sort of, like, bubble um, of music. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I definitely think the way it sounds is a big part of the appeal. Um, that raw, just, like, youthful... Like, I don't know. I feel like if it was, like, if it did... Amateur. I mean, to be, yeah. on, to be honest, I was an amateur. I was like, it's just the sound of somebody trying to figure out what to do in GarageBand mm. with a couple of weird instruments around. Yeah. You know, and, and some digital stuff and something to say, you mm. know. And, and I, so think, I, guess I do think that appeals. And, and, and I try, like, I'm trying to, like, I'm still, this is the room that I make music in, which is like my, mm. my, my, it's my, um, my wife's f uh, father. He no longer, he's no longer alive either. It's his former work studio and it's just full of all kinds of crazy stuff he was a journalist mm. for radio free europe oh, and he was but he was yeah, a right. political refugee from bulgaria so um if you know the song overflow the borders i know zeke you said you like that song. yeah i love i love that that's song, yeah. that's about him and um and this is his old studio and it's it's a crazy space it's just full of books and all kinds of archives that he held on to that you know we're not going to throw away but they're still here um, so it's still very modest and I can still absolutely like I'm still enough of an amateur, even though I started making music again. And I sort of I sort of updated my equipment by a few degrees. I'm using Logic instead of Logic Pro instead of GarageBand, which isn't a huge difference. But still, I know how to do more things now. I'm so I can make songs that are higher production value now, mm. but I'm careful not to overdo it. Right. 
I'm, I'm curious, <laughs> Zeke, since you're a producer, do you like intentionally ever like keep it below a certain level of shine? Um, it really depends what I'm doing, to be honest. Um, so I do yeah. like, um, like I work with a lot of singers, um, producing for them. Um, and so um, I have, so you have I have, they want kind of, yeah. yeah. Um, so it depends. So like, if I'm working with like a singer that just has an absolutely gorgeous voice, I will want to make that sound as good as like possible, um, given my setup. Um, but then there are other yeah. times, um, where I do like, yeah, if I'm like producing a certain genre, um, like for myself or I will like intentionally like go for more of a lo-fi, um, aesthetic and there are a lot of like really good plugins. when you do stuff yourself is it all instrumental or do you ever sing a rapper um no i rap um and sing occasionally um are you familiar with the genre hyper pop yeah yeah Yeah. um so i um sometimes do like sort of yeah like hyper pop um like heavily auto-tune stuff um and then Mm -hmm. yeah me and me and rick um I have a song together where we rap. Um, and I also have a death metal, a death metal project that I did um, through COVID. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So yeah, just a, just a bit of everything, um, really. Okay. But have you, but... Um, have you ever, um, it's a weird question, but like, have you ever tried to make, a song that was similar to a song of mine in, in the sense that like sort of like a, if the production value was um something that sort of worked for you when you were younger like when you were younger did you ever have a period mm-hmm. where I mean, maybe i'm fishing here but i'm curious like did you ever try to make music sort of in that vein well when you were younger or it i wouldn't okay it's like this is probably like I, I wouldn't say I've specifically tried to make music that sounds like you, but I have, I have directly tried to sample that's not your really, music. I worded that, I worded that oh. incorrectly. Oh, yeah. but that's an interesting. But <laughs> no, I have, I have, I, I have sampled. directly. Um, I did once try to make a hip hop beat that sampled Flicker Wings. Um, ah, <laughs> oh, what part of it? Um, just the main main melody. With actually the, my vocals. No, no, just, just the, 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 no, the, the, just the instrumental. Yeah. 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 How'd it go? <laughs> um, I mean, I was a pretty bad producer at the time. Um, so it didn't you go so well. have it. I want to hear it. Um, no, unfortunately, <laughs> I mean, I technically do, but um, I've upgraded my computer. Um, and when I did that, all my old FL Studio files won't open anymore. Um, okay, you were on FL Studio. Right? Yeah. Um, so since, yeah, since I got a new computer, anything that I made before the new computer won't open. I mean, so sadly, I don't find an older but, um, uh, FL version. Yeah. But I, one but day yeah, you're so going to was... want to hear all those. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I still have, yeah, like I, but yeah, anyway, so that was something I tried to do once, um, was, yeah, well, try, I'm honored. try to I'm honored. sample flicker wings into a beat. That's the um, first, that's the so. first time I've ever heard of somebody trying to sample <laughs> me. So I'm honored. Yeah. So there are a few tattoos out there, which is a huge honor to lyric tattoos. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. That's the first. That's thing. Awesome. Yeah. But, um, it's actually, it's kind of crazy. Like, um, these days what's possible with, um, 
like just home studio like um sufjan steven's new album was it recorded entirely in his house um yeah which just blows my mind i don't know if you've listened to it but um i have javelin yeah yeah i yeah, mean it, yeah that blows my mind i mean even before that like Billie mm. Eilish and Phineas won eight Grammys with a, with an album that they recorded in their bedroom with her mm. sitting cross-legged on the on the bed singing, you know, like hugging a pillow and holding a microphone. Yeah. So it is yeah. crazy. It's crazy. I've talked about this a lot and in a couple of other interviews I've done, but all of that start, I can track the beginning of that whole growth of that whole tree started right when I was making music. It was, mm. it was GarageBand and uh and myspace mm -hmm. yeah. you guys i don't even know if you know what myspace is no yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, wait wait okay. yeah <laughs> so okay so it was like suddenly in 2000 i don't know exactly what year i would say maybe 2003 which was like the year before i graduated and moved to seattle and started making the cinnamon phase it was like it that happened in it was coinciding that's that GarageBand was on every Apple laptop. And of course, people with PCs, they had, they had fruity, you could get, I had fruity loops in college before I, um, before I ever had GarageBand, but GarageBand was arguably more power. It was more powerful than the early fruity loops and, um, and more user-friendly. And it was like the barrier to entry on GarageBand compared to the world of music making before that point was just like night and day you know, mm -hmm. like, and then, and then the barrier to entry on releasing your music to the public when MySpace came out was also like night and day. And suddenly it was like, you can make music in your bedroom with the most basic essential. You don't even need a microphone. You can use the microphone in your laptop. And, um, and if you had something to say, if you like could play some shitty piano or play some shitty guitar, but if you had something to say, or if you had a keyboard or a synthesizer or whatever, suddenly you could actually make a song and upload it to MySpace and it could be live for people to listen to. Of course, people then have to mm -hmm. find you. Um, but it's, it was suddenly it was like the gate, the traditional gates of like having music be on the internet for other people to hear were just like smashed down you know from one year to the next and mm -hmm. then you know and 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 to then trace that forward to the example that i just gave of billy eilish winning eight grammys on an album that was recorded in their bedroom on logic pro which is just garage band plus um and you know of course they had a record label that's different than just putting it on myspace but still it's like that whole lineage started then and it, it was completely yeah. different before that. Mm. No, it's really like the the history of DIY music is like pretty, pretty, pretty interesting. How? Um... Yeah, of course, DIY DIY music existed in other forms before then, but like it was on a four track. Mm. It was a much more physical thing before that, and then it was like it was like print, you know, like burning CDs and handing them out, or or before that, like having your vinyl and handing it out at shows or selling, you know, like there was just, you know, what we take for granted now, this whole, the whole digital distribution component of it, it was just, mm. was oh, I definitely agree. It's like, like, that. Different. like people say, like you could say music's in a worse place because of like in terms of industry, in terms of the market and everything. But in terms of just 
being creative and accessibility it's 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 kind of insane the the scale at which it where it's at right now like literally anything you can put up can be like consider music like yeah or it's bad whatever that doesn't really matter that's just opinion really Mm -hmm. anyone can make music on any device really nowadays and that's something that i yeah is like we're it's only going to get better you can make almost any sound you can imagine yeah on a computer there's this out there's this album that came out in in 2021 um called to see the next part of the dream um by paranormal um and that um album it's like a yeah it's like a shoegaze like emo rock album um but it completely blows my mind because um so when it came out the artist was anonymous and people assumed it was a band um but then when the album blew up and the artist came out and he was a single guy but not only was it a single person but all the instruments the guitar drums everything were all done completely via midi um like he Mm. doesn't have any Mm. instrumental talent of his own except piano um but it literally Mm. sounds like Mm. an entire band um and like the guitar quality Mm. because usually like midi guitar looks kind of shitty and like even even these days it's like often still not great sounding but yeah just i bet he somehow just created this entire like band out sounding album like on midi um tell me the name of the artist again i missed it um paranal um p-a-r-a-n-n-o-u-l the words oh i see it i see it yeah yeah so this album I, I sent it to one of my friends who's a professional music producer. Um, and he, when he messaged, when he finished listening to it, um, he's like, this album frustrates the fuck out of me because I didn't know any of this stuff was possible via MIDI. That's pretty sick. Um, mm. The stuff, oh, yeah. And he recorded um, his vocals on a Galaxy S5, which is like eight or nine year old, nine years old at this Random point. Ass phone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Is he Korean? Uh, It looks like there's Korean titles to all the songs. Okay. Yeah, he's Korean, yeah. But anyway, that's just like an album for me that really stands out as being like just another leap forward um, recently in terms of what's possible with sort of at home. We have a whole new frontier with... with, Yeah. They're just... As you're saying, the quality and accessibility, as you're saying, Rick, of of digital uh, or just just a music production on all levels... You can just start doing it on your phone practically, and then and then it's on TikTok if you want it to be. You know, it's like, and now of course the the hot topic is AI, which I don't really care to talk about that much. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Um, I you know, like so far AI and music doesn't really interest me, and I'm sure mm-hmm. at some point I'll be proven wrong. Someone will be like, someone will be like, what do you think of this? And I'll be like, this is this is fresh, and then they'll be like, it's AI. Boom! Right? Yeah. Like, oh shit! You know. Yeah. <laughs> So, so I have a yeah. question. So, so Nightfalls is that you under a pseudonym or is that? I was gonna. Else? I wanted to ask yeah. that because I couldn't figure that figure out who that was. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, I really wanted. I wanted. It, I came up with that for a couple of reasons. Um, one, I want to be able to make instrumental music in the future, mm-hmm. um, and. And I knew that that it should be if I want to like release a whole album of instrumental music that it shouldn't be under Black Bear because Black Bear is so definitively a lyric based thing. Yeah, um, that it wouldn't it wouldn't make sense. Um, but I also knew that you know as an artist who has 
a you know a loyal but still in the grand scheme of things relatively small fan base at the like the prospect of getting getting a following for a new side project with a different name that's not at all connected to black bear would be like starting from ground zero basically mm. um and so i just had this idea to start and i because i actually started like when i started making new music again a lot of it was just instrumental and i was like maybe this is something else and then some of it i started putting lyrics over and i was like no this is for sure black bear you know it's it's the voice is is back it's mm. you know and, and then i made black bear part two and and I was, and then I just had this idea. Well, you know, there's no rules. Why can't I just say that the producer of this track is this other artist's name, and then Black Bear is the artist who wrote it, mm. and is singing on it, and then in the future, and if you've seen, I've I've put a couple of instrumentals up yep. on the Nightfalls page that are just Nightfalls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that so far they're just basically like slightly different instrumental versions of the black bear collaborations. Um, so it's like the, the instrumental to, which is it? It's, I think it's the instrumentals to overflow the borders and black bear part two, just slightly mm. different. Yeah. Um, and, um, but in the future, I want to have stuff. That's not that. That's like, that's like just a nightfall song. There's, there's no, yeah. not a version with black bear singing on it. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah. That's, Cause so, that's something idea. that, something that got me quite excited looking at nightfalls. Uh, was that you listed um, Clams Casino um, in the... Oh, yeah. In Huge. the... Yeah. I um, Clams Casino yeah. is by far my biggest influence as a producer. Uh, I would say at least... Really? At least 50% of the music I've ever made has been trying to recreate the Clams Casino sound um, to varying I would, degrees. That's, um, I just got goosebumps because you're the only person I've ever spoken to that shares really? that um, obsession. Yeah, because... Um, yeah, I would say like, yeah, I would say that like if there's anybody, if there's anybody that I could count like how many times I've consciously set out to do something like somebody else, mm. for he's for sure the most. Yeah, and it's, it's like, and I'm sure yeah. you can't. I don't know. I don't know if you can tell when you listen to my music. Maybe you can because mm. you know his music, but like. The texture, I'm always going for that kind of texture. Like I'm always looking for the kind of like fucked yeah. up, stretched out version of a sound. Mm. So Yeah, the the main sort yeah. of connection, when I read that, the main sort of connection I made between the stuff you've been doing recently and Clem's Casino is like sort of that connection to nature. Um, yeah, that too. Like mm-hmm. I think that's for me the, like where Clem's influences me the most is just all the like the sounds in his music, like all the white noise and all the like birds and like, mm-hmm. like stuff like yep. that, that yep. just really grounds the music in this like earthly, um, like earth, earthly just place. Um, yeah. 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 And that's it's like, an um, I mean, it's, it's an, a- yeah. it's an atmosphere. Yeah. He's, um, his, his song, um, all I need, um, is my most listened to song yeah. of all time, I think. Um, that's my favorite favorite and the funny the hilarious thing about that instrumental is so gorgeous and it's a soldier boy song i know like it it, it... i mean do you have the same experience that most of the time when you listen to the version with the mc on it you're like oh no 
no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like no, so I heard. Better without I, I was like, why would Claims Casino like make that beat? And he's like, yeah, you know, you know what this is missing? Soldier Boy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, uh, there's a bunch of the ones with like Bun B and like, but like there, there's one exception. There's a couple of Vince Staples clams. The Vince Staples, yeah. Tracks, summer, which are the, those are the exception. Mm. Those are the exception. Summertime, I think it's better with Vince. Yeah. yeah. See, I, I like the only one I really like. Um, outside of the ones with Vince, is um, I'm God. Um, yeah. I, I, I love Lil B's. Um, but hey, okay, you like it, that with Lil B on it? Yeah. Did you know it before though? Because that track no. existed for a long time without uh, him. I think. No, 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 no. It's the other way around. That was, like it came my, out... favorite, that was my favorite it, clam song for years. Yeah, it, it, it came and out in 2007. Yeah. It came out in okay, 2007. Sorry, yeah. So it came out in 2007 oh. um, with, with on MySpace on with Lil B on it. Um, and okay, then the, that's how Clams Casino. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's um that's how Clams Casino's solo career got started because the beat was so heavenly oh. and Lil B's performance on it is obviously so whatever it's controversial i guess um mm. that it, that people were practically beg- begging for the instrumental version um oh that's, that's so interesting i didn't know that backstory yeah yeah because yeah, so, that's the first song of his i ever heard mm. yeah. mm-hmm. but uh, but yeah but just the instrumental i only heard the little b version more recently yeah like i say i, I personally out i think he finally yeah. put it out like legally in the last couple of years i think yeah, like so it's so it's the yeah. the instrumental one. Yeah, only got put on Spotify a year or two ago because there were some issues with Image and Heap. Yeah, um, clearing the sample. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah. Uh, anyway. you said you were uh, you record in that in that room that you're in right now. Um. Yeah. I was wondering, like, how much if you said you described uh, your album Cinnamon Phase as a uh, as a bedroom album. How would you say your approach to music has really changed and grown over over the last 20 years? I mean, it's the thing is, I don't know if you know, Rick, but like there was there was a 15 year period where I didn't make any music right. at all. So like the growth had happened, like it was there. I put out that album. I moved to Germany. I met my wife. I then went to graduate school and then and then I taught at NYU for 10 years. And then we moved here and only then did it sort of reopen the possibility because I had the space, mm-hmm. you know, living in New York in a one bedroom apartment, you know, there's nowhere to, there's nowhere to set up a little studio, you know? And, um, and I was so busy with teaching and with working on my book and everything. So, but, you know, cut to now when, you know, I, I, I would say that when I came back to making music, I was excited for it to be different. I knew it would be, and I knew it had to be in terms of what I was singing about, in terms of all of the music that I've heard and been influenced by in the time since then. Like when I made that album, I had never heard Clams Casino because Clams Casino wasn't making music yet. He didn't, ex- mm. uh, well, no, he didn't, he didn't. Yeah. So I made that before any of like, there's so many influences that have come between then and now. And, um, and so of course it's gonna be different. And I was like, okay, there's a couple things I want to do this time. I want, I want like, I want basic music theory, <laughs> which I didn't have before. Right. Just like, just basic, you know? So I like did some YouTube courses in basic music theory. I talked to my wife who knows basic music theory. So like, and I mean, basic, 
like really just you know entry that's level stuff. That's crazy, um, it but it helps. It's all feel. Like that was just yeah. all feel. You know, Damn. I had a piano in my house growing up. I sang in the choir in high school. I played saxophone from like, you know, fifth grade to ninth grade. So I was musical and I wrote rhymes. You know, I I rapped in high school a bit and then college. Mm. So it was all there and I listened. I've always was always obsessed with music, but I was never trained in any sort of official See, sense. I, I think that's another thing about like music like you know, like so many, some people like get on like amateur uh, uh, artists for you know not, you know, following proper structure or, um, uh, just like whatever's deemed like the the status quo for what a song needs to be. You don't really, you don't ne- technically need that if if it if it hits your ears right and you like how it sounds, you can just put that out. No, and it can honestly, it it can, it can mess your shit up, you know. Like I, I listen to interviews with artists all the time, where someone will be like, you just like won't believe it that someone like, still doesn't know what chords they're playing, you know. And you're like, holy shit, he he doesn't know what chords he's playing, you know. Like, <laughs> you know, like I'm not I'm not like a big Coldplay fan, but I happen to listen to an interview with Chris Martin on whichever Broken Record or whatever. And he's like, he said some shit like that. And he was like, he he was like, he still doesn't know what he's playing. Like he couldn't tell you what the chords are, you know? And I'm like, in a way I'm like, that is dope because that's, that's, I couldn't either. <laughs> Most that's, of the time, yeah. I couldn't tell you what chords I'm playing, you know? That's very real. Very real of him yeah. to, to, to say and he, that. <laughs> and he does it on purpose, right? Like at a certain point, he realized that it was part of the sound. Mm. Is that he like, there's enough, there's, there's a sort of, there's an unusualness to whatever chords he finds that somebody who's musically trained probably would not find because their brain would be like, this isn't mm. right. You don't go from this to that, right? Mm. And so like, there's a, I was surprised to hear him say it because like when I listen to Coldplay, I don't think of it as out of bounds at all, right. you know, yeah. in terms of be like, Ooh, that's weird. But apparently to him, um, that's part of his process and, you know, or who oh, cat power. I listened to uh, an interview recently and she too, you know, she's like on the guitar, on the piano. She couldn't tell you what chord she's playing, you know? Mm yeah um, it's really interesting. so i'm into that i'm into that and like and i eat and and like when i said you know i want basic music theory was like just uh, you know like even enough i mean i could stand to learn more and i would still be an amateur but like even enough to just like understand what it means to say this song is in this key and this these are the these are the notes that are in this key you don't necessarily have to stay with them but like that's what it means mm. and uh um, and then also just like training myself on Logic Pro to do things that I didn't know how to do previously when I made the cinnamon mm. phase. Like I did zero MIDI on the cinnamon phase. I didn't have a MIDI controller. I didn't know how to do it. It was all direct mm. input. Um, so with this, now I'm doing MIDI stuff. I didn't know how to sample. I'm sampling stuff. Overflow the Borders, Overflow the Borders has samples. Um, and I love that because I've always loved samples. Like, I mean, Clams yeah. Casino, again, like those 
those like stretched out fuzzy samples the i just vocals kind of thing and i grew up on hip-hop and clams so good yeah yeah and um you know he uses this like i looked it up at some point years ago to, when i was really trying to like mimic him that he you he, at some point anyway he used some like really simple program that just like stretches an mp3 out mm. super wide yeah, right. So that you're just dealing with this, like, you know, like, and that yeah. he samples from, like, a vocal that you would never be able to recognize. And that way he's mm. able to sample from things, here he was anyway, able to sample from things that are completely unrecognizable so he doesn't have to worry about getting caught. <laughs> Image and heap aside. But, um, but yeah, it's like that, the way that he gets that texture is that he just, like, expands it out and zooms in and gets these mm. really juicy yeah. yeah something i found um really interesting with him is he said that m most of his beats sample from the same image and heap song as i'm god most of them yeah he said uh, maybe like not all most, of his other he, tracks maybe not most but he said a big chunk either come from like this a few of the same like image and heap songs because he's a huge image and heap fan um and i personally really? know at least I personally know a bunch of them. I accidentally discovered a lot of them um, because I, when I was going through, yeah, my phase of trying to mimic him, <laughs> I, once I found out that he loves Image and Heap, I just went through a ton of Image and Heap songs and reversing them um, to mean, try and get get some vocal chops. Oh, um, and through, yeah, yeah. yeah, and through doing that, I accidentally found a lot of his samples. Um, really? Oh, that's so yeah. interesting. Like he has a song called Angels with Mac Miller. Um, and I accidentally found the song that I he sampled. Know, for yeah. yeah. I accidentally found the the song that he sampled for that, um, through that but process of trying to, uh, yeah, I can't, re I can't remember what it is now. Um, but I literally, I ended up recreating the beat, um, for some fun once I found out how he made the sample. Oh, you guys that. Uh, I, I was wondering, um, you know, so obviously, as I said earlier, like I'm 22 now. Uh, and you were 22 when you made the cinnamon phase. Um, I was wondering if you could yeah. go back to yourself um, during the time that you're making that album with the knowledge that you have now. What would you, what would you say? Mm. Could be personal advice. Could be musical advice. Just whatever. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, let me think about it for a sec. I mean, I think it it. It would be half. It would have to do. Uh, the reason I sort of stutter step at the question is because it's like the idea of intervening with the process that was beginning to happen mm. with a future me is sort of like yeah. a weird idea mm. because it's like if a future me had come back and said like, "Don't worry, it's going to be cool," or "Keep doing what you're doing," then it would it's like back to the future it would like fuck with the outcome you know you'd yeah. be like oh yeah i'm the shit all right <laughs> um but you have if to you, bring back if, you just, if i think of it in it yeah yeah there you go <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you think of it in a in a simpler sense like in terms of like if i were standing somehow next to my 21 22 year old self what would I say like now? What would I say to them? Um, it would be a kind of like a version of of thank you for taking the time mm. to to figure some shit out at that juncture in your life, you know, and yeah. to say 
you and I were so lucky that you had an opportunity that just sort of, you made it, you made it. I mean, you know, like my friend and I, we, we left college. We said we were obsessed with music. People, you know, it was the wild, wild west of this sort of digital distribution and making your own music and, um, and even starting little record labels. And we started our own indie record label and we made this music and we put it out. And I was so grateful for the circumstances of the time conspiring to make that possible and to have it and to have a partner going through it with me. Um, and we were very much on the same page and, and we were in the Pacific Northwest, which Rick, I understand is where you are, right? Yeah. 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 Are you, are you a Washingtonian? Uh, yes, yes, I am. I don't, I don't live near the Puget Sound anymore, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. Have you ever passed through? So, you know, I have. Oh, indeed. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah. On my way to Chelan. Right. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Right, right. Yeah. Right up. Right right north. 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, so being in, you know, being in the Pacific Northwest, I'm sure you have some sense of the indie music scene in the Pacific Northwest in the late 90s and the early 2000s. And mm. it was a really interesting time to be there. You know, like Phil Alvrum of the Microphones in Mount Erie was very active in Anacortes. And um, Carl Blau, if you know that name. And of course, all the, all the like Olympia and the kill rock stars and that there was all this interesting stuff happening that we were really into like as we left college um that was like the microphones was in mount erie that was like our shit that was our favorite shit and so going to seattle to start your own indie label was like it was the exact version of us doing what we thought was the coolest thing that we could possibly no, that, do with our lives that's, at that that's a beating heart like my mom was like talked about that era of music so yep. much and like i imagining like actually being a part of that that's actually pretty that's pretty damn cool mm. that's awesome i mean we were peripheral of course you know like we didn't i never was in a studio with phil but mm-hmm. like i saw him a bunch of times at shows like at tiny little shows i mean he still plays tiny shows i think but because he's yeah. always kept it real in that way mm-hmm. um and He's somehow always kept it relatively small, except for when he married Michelle Williams and then divorced, divorced <laughs> a year later. But um, <laughs> that was a weird period for the microphones. <laughs> um, uh, but but yeah, it was like for us that was it, we were we found we we inserted ourselves into that circumstance and we we were peripheral, but we we you know we were surfing that wave a little bit and we were doing reasonably well and it, and it was a time where like there was just enough general interest for that mm. kind of a scene that like people just wanted to find their version of that scene in seattle it was like it wasn't hard like everybody wanted to be connected to a scene like that because that's what was going on and mm. um and so so i would just say yeah, I would say to my younger self, you know, thank you. And you were really lucky to find yourself in that circumstance exactly when and where you did, because it did help us figure out some shit. 
and that's um, awesome. and I came out of that. I came out of that. Um, you know, I definitely came out of that a more self-realized person, like going through that process. And that was like, that was the, the. It was the eve of um, of everything that came to my life afterwards because I then moved mm. to Germany in like a surprising twist right after I released the cinnamon phase, I was like, I want to live abroad. And then I asked around to people I knew who might be able to help with that. And, and a family friend of ours was the head of school at the Munich international school, which is where my wife is teaching now. And you've maybe heard this story somewhere else or read it, but, but, uh, I asked her if she had any jobs that, I could apply for with my bachelor's in studio art, which was what I graduated with. And she said, yeah, we actually, we need another assistant kindergarten teacher. And we love having males in the junior school because almost all the teachers are females. And I was like, yeah, give me an interview. I want to do it. And so within a couple of months after releasing the cinnamon phase, for reasons unrelated to the cinnamon phase, I was on my way to Germany to do this other thing. And that's then I crazy. met my wife and, and like, that's like the fork in the road moment of my entire life. Mm -hmm. And I'm not attributing it to the cinnamon phase, but somehow that process of going through that, it released me from whatever cycles I may have been sort of churning around in, in my early twenties, post-college years of like, where am I going to be in the world? What do I want to do? Do I still have heartache about my college girlfriend that I broke up with? Um, we broke up like my like right after I moved to Seattle. We broke up. And she she was a Seattleite. Is that um Jamie? No, Jamie was the girl that I got into a relationship with after, who, um, who. Yeah, so we I got into a relationship with Jamie about like halfway through the process of the cinnamon phase, or maybe a little bit later right. than halfway through. Mm -hmm. Um, and she I met her on MySpace. She was another bedroom musician that I met on MySpace. And so certain cool. songs like later in the album, like um uh Flicker Wings and Eve of the Fall are both mm. Jamie songs, whereas all of the like previous more heartachey breakupy songs are my college girlfriend yeah i am um... uh, who, who i who i was with all through college and then like i moved to seattle to be with my buddies and start this record label but also because she mm. was it she had graduated a year ahead of me and she had already moved back to seattle mm. so it was like we had done a year of long distance and then it was like we're finally going to be together again and we got there and it was like this doesn't work anymore yeah and um and so that album was born out of the ashes of that sort of heartache. And like, it was this mixture of like, this is fucking cool. We're out here. We have our own house. Like we're making friends, we're making music. But at the same time, like I have this heartache from the end of this relationship and I don't know what the hell I'm going to do with my life. And so it was like mm. a, it was a full, it was yeah. a really exciting time with a ton of emotions and too mm. much coffee. And, <laughs> and yeah, it was that it was that cinnamon phase was born out of all of that. Um, and um so I guess leading on from that, um, I was wondering what's it like, you know, obviously most artists release their debut album and then the sophomore album follows two or three years later and 
it like just captures that growth in just like you know those short few years what's it like to have your first album be when you were sort of figuring your shit out and just still working out your life and then to have your second album come so much later when you've sounds at least it sounds like you're really established and um you know completely different spot in your life yeah it's a great question and one that's you know probably unique a question that you can only ask of a few artists because it is such an unusual case um it was at first it was this sort of like thing that i would intellectualize and be like okay so there's a there's an existing fan base for black bear and the cinnamon face songs and I would be stupid to not sort of continue and build upon that after this mm. sort of return with this sort of return that I wanted to make. Um, but I know that I'm not going to pretend to be a 20 something singing about, you know, singing about my 20 something things. Mm. Um, so of course it's gonna it's gonna have to be the content of it is gonna be different. But then once I got into writing the songs, it was like, yeah, the content's totally different, but the voice is still it's a continuation, you know, mm. like it's a voice I don't think a voice changes that much over the course of a life. Like even though what you say changes a lot over the course of a life, I don't think the voice does. Mm. And so that was something I started figuring out and I knew that voice was an important part and the way the way that I said the things that I did with the cinnamon phase and when I was that age mattered as well. It wasn't just what I was talking about. And so I had to go into this saying to myself, like, you know what, like, even though there's a big portion of your audience that are much younger, um, first of all, don't be afraid to hopefully make you know, new demographic corners of your audience that aren't all younger, um, which I hope I've done. Um, I'm happy to have all ages, of course. Um, but also to trust the fact that the people who love the cinnamon phase, um, either they've discovered it recently or they discovered it, you know, like you, Zeke, when you were 15, but it was already out for a bit. And, <clears throat> and you know, you're still in your early 20s. Um, like, trust that because of the voice and the sort of like my the thing i'm trying to do most when i make music is just to be like as um as much me as i possibly can you know and i don't mean mm -hmm. that in like a, i don't mean that in in a way that's like it's it's not it's not arrogant. At least I don't think so. It's not like conceited, like I'm so cool. I'm just trying to be me. It's just like, I know that that's the thing that works both for me and seems to have worked for the people who love the cinnamon phase, because that's what I was doing then. Mm. And, um, and so now in this new phase, that means that I'm talking about things like my dad's mother and my wife's father and being a parent and um, I haven't released, let's see, no, I don't think, I haven't released any songs yet that ref, that like refer to me being a parent, but I have a couple because it's, it's the forefront of what, you know, and like now I'm using my voice to talk about the things that are in my life now, which 
you know, may not interest people as much as, you know, the black, black bear. I, I just, I've pretty much accepted that black bear, the song, I'm never going to reach the heights <laughs> of, you know, I'm never going to reach the heights in terms of how many people that's reached and how many people listen to it every day. Like it's not, I'm not really, I mean, sometimes I fantasize about having another song that, I mean, that has I'll, that kind I'll, of reach, but but I'm okay with the fact that I have one. Know. Like I'm grateful for the. I'm grateful that yeah. I have one. You know. Yeah. What were you saying? To yeah. You? I was saying never say never. Yeah, I shouldn't. <laughs> I shouldn't never say yeah. ever. Um, but more importantly, it's like I know that it's not a. It's not about that. Like. It's it's not necessarily about the number of plays. Obviously, the number of plays represents how much you're connecting with people, which is the more important mm. thing you know yeah um yeah. like i do i do watch i do watch my plays i check up on things you know and there are times i'm like mm. oh damn okay yeah you know like you know if something doesn't catch but it's also like if you're not doing any promo and i'm i hardly do any promo and i'm like i'm not i'm not particularly active on social media i don't tiktok things i don't so it's like yeah i'm just counting mm. on pre-existing black bear fans or like some sort of algorithm or word of mouth, which is which was the, mm. I think word of mouth was the magic thing with the cinnamon phase and with the song Black Bear, is that people would just be yeah. like, you gotta hear this and play it for somebody mm. else and for somebody else and for somebody else. Yeah. I was actually um, listening, uh, my parents were out, um, they were sitting on the deck the other day um, listening to music and Black Bear came on. Um, and I'm like, mm. Damn, like I didn't even know that my parents had like sort of picked it up and um <laughs> listened to it now. <laughs> Which is that's cool kind of funny. That's uh, really cool. But yeah, no, I I I definitely yeah, that song is I think it's just one of those songs the lyrics just speak. Um like I'm seven years older than I was when I first heard it, but it's still its meaning and the way that it hits hits me hasn't changed. Um mm -hmm. Yeah, do you I have, don't know. Do it's you... it's one of those things when you have a song like that, you like it makes sense to to think about it and to try and like break down mm. what it might be. But then there's this certain thing that you just can't recreate. The, yeah, there's like, just this ine just ineffable. Yeah, yeah. I th I always think about I always think about music as like like a specific song as like a moment in time. Um, like you know, like when you're recording yourself in that moment it's like that is a moment that you've just captured through your microphone and it's never that's gone and that's never yeah. even even a minute later like it's gone you know um and Absolutely. that's how i that's how i think about all of my songs at least um yeah, but and it's so, so easy to it's so easy to miss the moment right or like hmm. i mean rick you were talking about this before too like that like when you when you put something down on record you know not physically record but like when you record it mm -hmm. that suddenly it's like it brings it outside of you whatever feeling whatever thing you were trying to express and um and there's different ways of doing that like there's people for whom like belting it out live in front of an audience of people is the most cathartic way to deal with mm -hmm. it and then there's other people like myself and maybe more like you guys that like i don't feel a need to go do that like it's mm. for me, like mm. the idea of catharsis isn't like I need an audience. I need eyes on me. I need to be in a room physically singing this thing to people. 
it's like I the thing that I want most is to record it into a microphone and have it be locked mm. into a recorded yeah. version. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you get do you get that? hundred yeah. percent. I mean I've And I've... that like and of course it's like it's not just the first time. You know, it's like you're wait you're looking for that version of it that hits. And it's because we love recorded music so much and we've been spoken to by recorded music so much. And it's the same thing like when you go to a live show and then you hear like the live version of a song or like I heard somebody, uh, oh, Rick Rubin and Rosalia were talking to each other on Rick Rubin's new podcast. And he was like, and she, he was like, do you have a live band for your new tour? And she was like, no. And he was like, good. <laughs> because, because so often with pop music and with hip hop music, people think you're supposed to have a live band, but it's distracting because it doesn't sound as good different. as the recording. Mm, and it sounds different. Yeah. yeah. And we fall in love with the recordings. And it's like there's certain types of music where you're like, oh, hell yeah, give it to me live. Give me the band. I want the vibe. I want the full feel, you know. Mm -hmm. But then if you go see like Vince Staples, you don't want a band mm -hmm. to be trying to play those beats, you mm -hmm. know, like, yeah. Or Rosalia. Also, I mean, Rosalia could be an exception. But in terms of this yeah. album, Moto Mami, which mm -hmm. was the one she was touring, it's like, no, you don't want a band mm -hmm. trying to play those crazy Absolutely. productions. Yeah. You, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think um, the recorded version to me is more cathartic. Rick, do you agree? So when I was in middle school, okay. uh, I started writing poems for the first time. But you know, they, I was just like really learning how to rhyme and stuff, and just just figuring that out. And that's when that slowly grew into an artistic identity, and that's turned into trying to be as structured with songs and stuff. And forever, it was just a fantasy of, like, oh, what could this even sound like? I wasn't even concerned with, like, the sound of it. I just wanted to write it down. And then uh, COVID happened, and I had so much extra time. I finally was able to record music. I wasn't too much of a fan of it. I, like, just in terms of, like, what I felt at the time and what I was being able, I was able to express, I wasn't satisfied. A couple years later, and I'm making music that, you know, it, it's crazy to have something that's tangible. And I think that's a that's a song. And mm, it's, mm. it's something it's so it's so much different than writing it down. I write down music I, I, songs as like almost like a like a journal, to be honest. Uh, however, that might manifest mm -hmm. itself. And yeah, I agree. Like the actual recording of it is it, it it's. Mm. It, it, it lo yeah, like you said it locks the memory into a specific place. You can analyze it, you can learn from it, and you know there's no there's nothing else that can cloud it. You, it's one thing. Like the MP3 yeah. file is not going to change in ten years. Mm. Yeah. Now. Yeah. I'm really. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, there's something about that moment. Yeah. And I do. I listen to my music. You know, like a lot of artists would say they don't, but like as someone who's not a touring musician, also it's like I don't have. I don't have that like nightly experience with my own music where I'm playing it on stage the way a lot of musicians do. Right. Mm. So for me, like if I'm going to, if I want to keep having an ongoing relationship with the songs that I've recorded, like, of course I'm going to listen to them. You know? Yeah. Of course. Otherwise, I listen to my music. Like, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, but yeah. I, but before, before, before you go, before I go, I have to ask. Um, so I feel like, so my favorite artist of all time is Sufjan Stevens. Um, okay. And I actually got into him through your music, um, through the algorithm. Um, but oh, um, interesting. 
yeah um just fun yeah fun little facts but anyway um i was wondering um so you're influenced you'd be influenced by him um through your music i imagine yeah 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 what, what's your favorite yeah. on record okay so for my era all of us started with michigan yeah so yeah. so it was um you know it was before the whole like discussion about is he going to do all 50 states i don't know if you remember that whole thing. it was <laughs> yeah like michigan the and then there was illinois and then he yeah. did like this thing about the bqe in new york and the... yeah but <clears throat> for me <clears throat> originally it was michigan if you were to ask me now uh i don't listen to michigan much anymore mm. i don't think i, I probably listen that's... to i listen to carrie and lowell more than i listen to michigan mm. I'm getting into this new one. Yeah, um, Javelin has quickly become. I would say Javelin could be his best record, in my opinion. You think so? Uh, I there's just like it's one of those albums where every single song grabs me. Like, so Carry On Lowell is my favorite album of all time. Um, but uh, even with that, I still feel like there's two or three songs on Carry On Lowell that sort of just blend into the track listing a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like Drawn to the Blood, Eugene. Um, a few songs that, mm-hmm. yeah, don't necessarily stick with me as much as others. Whereas for me, with Javelin, every single song, like, sticks mm-hmm. out. And every single song has carved out its own space in the record where I don't, I don't, like, none of them blend into the track listing. I don't, I don't okay. get, se- I don't get seven songs deep and then realize I didn't pay attention to a song. Like I do sometimes with mm-hmm. um, Carrie and Lowell mm-hmm. or, or Illinois or um, Age of Odds um yeah 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 but, uh yeah anyway well i'm gonna I, i'm gonna dig back in tomorrow or even tonight that based yeah, on i am um, strong recommendation yeah i i just and plus plus you know for me as well one of the things i've found difficult with sufjan is the fact that all of his writing is pretty much buried in metaphors and um stuff and so I enjoy the fact that Chapel that's so on Carrie and Lowell. That's probably why. You, yeah, it's probably why you like Carrie and Lowell. It's the least. Yeah, but like, but even then, like on on um, like the only thing like he references like Greek mythology and stuff like that. Um, mm. which like I I find I think it's cool. But what I love about Javelin is like it's literally just so straightforward. Like it's obviously breakup music. Like it's obviously like about this. You know, like I, I think it's the most yeah, it's the most deep, di- direct. Direct and straightforward. That he said. Anyway, sorry. I just yeah. Yeah. before I go, I no, just wanted to talk sorry. about. Yeah, I just wanted <laughs> to talk about Sufjan for a little bit because he's my goat. Uh, he's my favorite <laughs> artist of all time. Yeah, um, it's actually it's kind of a good reminder for music because I think that sometimes I, when I sort of think about who my influences are, I forget how much he has influenced me. Probably a lot of it subconsciously you know but mm. i think i mean if you were to make a connection between my music and his like what's the connection that you make um well for me personally first of all the the general like it's got that mid-2000s like indie feel um i'd say in common mm-hmm. um and then second of all i think the singing style somewhat is similar to yeah. me um, that's what i was and gonna then, say it was like singing yeah. singing style like the vulnerability of the singing style mm. and yeah. and arguably my newer stuff might feel more 
some of it and some of it you guys haven't heard yet because i haven't released it yet but i have a number of songs where my vocal performance is much more like right in the microphone not with vocal doubling like i often do it's like slower there's more spar i mean dorothy's kind of like that with more sparse production mm. around it, and you can really hear the vulnerability of the voice, and I think mm. that is influenced by Sufjan. Um, and then my last question is: Do you have a title for the upcoming album? My God, I had a vision that you were going to ask me that question, <laughs> um, which is hilarious. It's hilarious. Um, I'm. I don't. It's not set, so I'm not going to say it out loud in case it's not okay. It. Okay. And 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 the and the origin of it is in a song that I haven't released yet. Answer so is, not... the short answer is yes, I think I do. And yeah. the the disappointing answer is I think I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna hold <laughs> that's chest that's fine. Really... That's fine. The main thing I was, the main thing I was looking for was whether or not you were gonna continue like whatever's off like continue with the like whatever the next oh, the phase color the black no, no, you know, no. it would be that, the no. next i i considered that possibility but it would yeah. be the black phase which yeah. just doesn't sound right <laughs> for, yeah. from me coming from yeah. me yeah um, so so yeah. and it just and, and it you know i i i want to be able to like you know creating nightfalls was also a way of me being sort of like opening the door of possibilities to say like the music that I make in the future doesn't all need to be rooted back in this place of black bear, the cinnamon phase. So, um, so similarly it, even though I thought about like, Oh, it would make sense to call this the black phase or to somehow connect it to that phase idea. Um, every time I actually consider it, I like it, totally yeah. turns me it's, off and it's, like, it's no, a little bit little bit right. too it doesn't fit yeah and it's a little bit too obvious i think as well it is it is yeah. and it's not appropriate because it's such a different mm. phase it's such a yeah. different phase for me yeah a different era um, yeah i had i had one last question uh one thing i, I like yep. when it comes to listening to artists and their lyrics is like if they it, when you tell can tell someone actually cares about like what they're writing down and and not that there's anything wrong with like having having fun with it. It's just I just find it more fun to listen to lyrics that you can tell a lot of thought behind it, a lot of history. And one thing I also like is quirks in what, in what one may do. I find in your in your music you reference very specific locations very often, and it like brings me to the place in almost a mm. first person play a first person perspective. And I, mm. I, I want to yeah. ask, like, what, 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 ins- what inspires like that decision? Because it seems very frequent, and it's not just a, a one-off. For sure, for sure. I love using place names. I, I love using cultural references. I didn't use that many cultural references on the cinnamon phase, if any. But like in a lot of my new stuff, I do like whether it's a movie or a book or something like that or like, but place names always, I've always been into place names as someone, as a listener of music. I love, I love place names. They just, because for me, sense of place is just like, Mm. it's one of the most immediately evocative things. And also places have cool names. (laughs) Like, like when at, like when you know, like you can write a song about Wenatchee. maybe you have like, like it's such a, you know, there's so many great songs that have place names in them, and it doesn't matter if I've been there or not. 
Yeah. You know, I've always like because if you just feel that the person has an association with that place, then it 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 signifies yeah, it, it means something. It. Yeah. 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 And, and specificity, always... like it's just specificity and, and poetry too. It's like it's like you it's specificity gives way to universality because we all have specific experiences. Oh yeah, I love mm. that. Yes. I've always been fascinated by the Australia Olympia Poughkeepsie. Uh one because uh-huh. you know, I'm Australian yeah, and I mean, B, it's just such an interesting right. um and also just because that song just hits and like I would not click a song titled that and then expect to be crying to the lyric. Um, the oh fuck, I did. I had it in my mind. And it's just the the singing. Yeah, I'm the sick singing and I'm line. sad and I shouldn't be singing yeah. because I don't have anyone yeah. to talk to. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, I yeah yeah I'm yeah I love that song and even I'm just the the the, to, yeah. the the awkward conversation recounted at the beginning between the ex girlfriends. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, and that like i love that and also um another song that i'll just on the topic that of that out al- on the album that really got me through a breakup was um in the alboretum um mm-hmm. but specifically the i don't really want her back it's just the effects of grieving like i had a yeah. girlfriend where we broke up and i realized i didn't miss her i missed the the comfort and the warmth of a relationship um, mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm. and I realized if we were to get back together, it wouldn't be good. Um, and that's, that song that was, makes that that's yeah. one of the most gratifying things I've ever heard. That that yeah. directly because that's exactly what that was. That's exactly yeah. what it was. It was like me telling myself that thing. It was like I had there was an earlier demo version of that song that didn't have that in it. Yeah, no. and then it was like a year later or whatever x number of months later when i'm like thinking about okay which songs are going on to my album and i'm listening to that song and i'm like I, you know what I, I, it sounds like i really want her back but i don't mm. <laughs> you know, like yeah but like no and even then i think i knew that we shouldn't get back together and mm. so i added that almost as like a postscript and yeah. uh, no. and i and i knew that it was important to me to do that and that it's one actually amazing yeah. to me that it was important to you. No, and that, about Australia yeah. Olympia Poughkeepsie, that same girlfriend, she went to Melbourne for her junior year semester abroad. And yeah. I visited her there for two weeks. That's the only time I've been to Australia. And we had a great time. It was like this, like it was this particularly special bonding time for us. So when I um, and then Olympia, we lived in Olympia for part of a summer once during college, Olympia, Washington. Oh, yeah. And then Poughkeepsie is where we went to college. So yeah. we went to Vassar College in Poughkeepsie, New York. So that's those yeah. two places. Right. Yeah, I sort of figured out like how Poughkeepsie and Olympia had was significant as in obviously not the specific details but sort of i was like oh i can see how those places could have been in your life but i was so yeah. fascinated by australia just to me felt so well just um, it comes out of nowhere with zero explanation yeah. it's true yeah <laughs> uh, uh, but it's yeah, funny how again it, that's what i'm saying it's like it signifies and you're like well australia i have no idea why it's here but it means something to him yeah you know? and, and i i literally remember so when i first it has power yeah I literally remember when I first got into it, it was because um, a girl I was talking to at the time told me to listen to Black Bear, the other Black Bear. Um, 
yeah. and I found your oh, music. The other and one. Um, she, yeah. Oh, uh, I think I remember you telling me this when you and, reached out yeah. to me early on. And I remember um, saying to, she was like, oh, what do you think? And I'm like, oh, yeah, like Australia Olympia Poughkeepsie is my favorite. I um, mean, she was like, what? Like, wait, it's not. like, no, I mean that. that one where he's like, fuck you and you and you and you. Yeah. And 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 I'm and she's like yeah he does not have a song called that and I'm like well he does I'm literally listening to it right now um, and then I sent her a screenshot of what I was listening to um, and we realized I'd clicked the wrong artist. That's funny. Um, and That's so amazing! What an yeah. amazing way. Yeah, and then I and then I, mean, I was I'm like, sh- I'm sure you're not the only person who found me that way. Yeah, and yeah, I literally remember because I even yeah. though I really can't stand most of his music and I'm yeah, it's pretty. Sort of like, it's pretty bad. Yeah. I don't like it. It's it's popular. but and I just yeah. and I just remember saying to her like, "I'm sorry, your music's gonna have to wait because this album's good, <laughs> and I'm gonna listen to the whole to the whole this. thing." <laughs> oh, yeah. but yeah. Anyway, um, I actually so yeah cool. do have to, I do have to go now. Um, but thank you so right. much, um, for thank chatting. You so much, it's guys. Been, this was a real been pleasure. really awesome. Thank um, you. Thank yeah. Thank you so no, much for coming this on. Really, um, this is really yeah. nice. After. Oh. After being such a fan of your music for so many years, it's really cool to um, be able to chat. Um, so thank Likewise. you. Likewise. And thanks so much for the invitation. And uh, Rick, it was great to meet you as well. No, and, yeah, likewise. And uh, I wish you guys the best of luck. I want to hear your music. So you got to send me yeah, some links. I'll, um, here, I'll, I'll, I'll send you the song I did recently that was like very Clams Casino influenced because um, I think you'll awesome. I don't think you'll like that one. Uh, awesome yeah. and i can i'll send you guys a couple of sneak previews to unreleased stuff from the from i always album. love that always love the oh yeah love it yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sneak peeks, yes. yeah all right cool, cool. All, all right, right have a good night yeah peace out all right have a good Thank rest you guys of your day for listening yeah neighborhood radio yeah yep. bye yeah thanks for anybody who's listening there are people listening awesome yep. yeah peace out yeah <laughs> all right, peace out